what do they all have in common? What do we know that on football fields there's there's two opponents that face each other every single game, right? In football, there's teams, right? And you're going to have, at the end of the game, unfortunately, you're going to have a winner and you're going to have a loser, right? We know on a football field, there's usually, you know, one ball that's being thrown or kicked all over the place. You have multiple people, multiple, multiple men most of the time, and obviously there are women who play sports as well. But they are physically, physically going after each other, Right? So hold that thought of a football field, soccer field, basketball court, a tennis court, and turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days, 40 nights, he fasted and he became hungry. During that time, the devil came and he said to him, if you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people don't live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you're the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Verse seven, Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, to, next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, I will give this all to you, he said, if you would just kneel down and worship me. Verse 10, get out of here, Satan. Get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. And so this morning, before we jump into this, let's uh, pray real quick. God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for, God, this word. God, we thank you for Matthew 4, 1 through 11. God, we thank you for every single thing that is in this verse and in this text. God, we thank you for the pictures that are in our brain, football, baseball, basketball, tennis, God, soccer. And God, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would speak loud and clear. God, I pray that you would just break down anything in our life that, that, causes us to resist you or the truth. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would just remove any distractions in our heart, mind, and soul right now. God, that you would help us to listen and to really listen. God, that you help us to lean into your word this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning as we lean into these verses, as you think of a football field and you think of Matthew 4, I want you to picture Matthew 4, 1 through 11 in the frame of the football field. I want you to think of Matthew 4 and I want you to think of Jesus and I want you to think of the devil as they're facing off on a football field. There is one that's going to end with uh, victory and there's one that will end in defeat. Last week, one of the last verses that we closed with, Luke 14, 35 said, flavorless soul is good for neither the soil nor the manure pile. To your neighbor and say, ooh, manure, yuck. It is thrown away. But anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And so this morning, I want you to listen up. I want you to listen. Jesus said this a few different times. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And this is a something that he was communicating that we should actively listen we don't actively listen every Sunday. We don't actively listen every time we turn on the radio. We don't actively listen to the TV sometimes. We turn on noise, we're not really actively listening. We're not leaning in and actively pressing into what it is. 
There's one guy who did a study that said that on every single Sunday morning service, 75% of the people don't listen. It's a guy who did a study in church service and he said 75% of people who come to church, they don't listen. One out of four, he said, listens when they come to church. Because how many of us walk in Sunday mornings and one, we're tired, one, we're, we're a little foggy because we stayed up late last night. How many of us, we walk into Sunday morning service and our stomach is growling because we didn't get a donut or we bypassed a donut because we're on a diet. How many of us, there are so many different distractions. There's so many physical distractions as we walk into Sunday morning service. And you look at it physically. But then let's turn spiritually. How many things happen Saturday and Sunday just before you get to church? How many things happen in the spirit world before people step into the property of a church service? The devil and his team, when you're looking at a football field, they are doing everything you can so that your heart is not prepped and ready to receive from the word of God. Churches happen, think about this, all over the world. There are people worshiping 4,000 different gods. There are so many different things spiritually that happen every single weekend. But yet in Christian churches, 75% of people who walk through the doors, this guy says they don't listen. They don't hear. Spiritually, physically we know why we don't wanna listen. But spiritually, if you're listening to the word of God, Every single verse, no matter if we've heard it 30 million times, there should be something that God's trying to speak to you. And how many of us sometimes walk into church services and church stores, we don't wanna listen, we don't wanna hear, we don't wanna participate in listening. How many of us can remember back in the day you used to get rewards for participation? God in Sunday mornings wants to give you the participation in listening award, that is worship. You know, listening to the word of God is worship. You worship. Just like when we play music and we sing along with the words, that is worship. Just like giving money, whether it's in the back in the little box or in the bucket that goes around, that is worship. Listening when the word of God is being spoken, that is worship as well. And then if we don't listen and lean into worship with music, worship with our money, worship by listening to the word of God, you know what that is? It's rebellion. And how many of us, every single service, for whatever reason, we can come up with all kinds of excuses why we don't listen actively to the Word of God. You know, there's times where um, I've heard lots of different podcasts now in my life, and I can tell you there's times where some people I listen to I don't really like, but they have good things to say. I really recently listened to a podcast of a guy that I didn't really didn't like his preaching. And it really wasn't him preaching. The podcast was about him at the end of his ministry and retiring uh, from church leadership after 42 years of being a pastor. And I listened to it and it really blessed my socks off. Every single thing, it was two hours and I was so intrigued by the whole entire thing because he had so many good things to say. But I didn't like his preaching. And how many people sometimes we listen to TV and, and, and again, we picked a football field because how many people today will turn into football and they will, they will just like Joel was dancing up here and he had all kinds of moves, that was nice. You were showing off this morning. <laughs> how many people today, they will jump and they will dance and they will shout for their team, but yet come into church service, not ready to do what God wants them to do. And that's just one part of life, right? That is just one part. 
we sometimes get so excited about everything else other than what God wants to do. This morning I picked this scripture because it says that, number one, it says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus, turn to your neighbor and say he was led by the Spirit. Now I didn't say that he was led by the Spirit to go play in the pool. It wasn't led by the Spirit to go lay out in the sun. It wasn't led by the Spirit to go rafting down the river. He was led by the Spirit to be tested, tempted by the devil. What? What do you mean? Why would, why would Jesus be led by the Spirit to be tempted? Why would he be led by the Spirit to be tested? This picture shows Jesus in the, in the original language playing a very strong offense, right? And just like in sports, we want our teams to play a very strong offense. Jesus comes into this, and as he was being led by the Spirit, he was ready for what God had asked him to do. As he goes through this dialogue with the devil, he was ready. He was not weak, even though he fasted 40 days. He was not weak. He was strong mentally, physically, spiritually. He was absolutely ready to play offense as he's led by the Spirit into, the, into there. How many of us have heard the word testimony and how many of us love hearing us some good testimonies, right? How many of us, when we hear that someone's, you know, was, was crippled and they were healed or someone who was, was broke and got provided for them, how many of us, we love hearing great testimonies. There's nothing better than hearing someone and clapping for someone and cheering for somebody. Testimonies, woo! And we don't get to that testimony unless we pass the test. Jesus in this story today, he passed the test. He passed the test and had a testimony. The beginning of his ministry, he passed this test and he had to show the devil who was boss, right? And so we see that his life and everything that he did, there was testimony because he passed the test. God leads us through tests. God leads us through trials. God leads us through tough times. God will lead us through peaceful times as well, thank God, right? But it seems that as soon as God leads us to a place that we don't like, how many of us, we just turn them off? It's like the TV. When there's a commercial we don't like, what's the easiest thing to do? Whether you mute it or turn it off, right? You know that we do that to God sometimes. And when God is leading you to a place through trials, through pain, through misery, through depression, through loneliness, God is trying to teach you something to see how you respond and react to physical things. Some of us just turn them off. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Fasting is to give up a physical need to fulfill something spiritually greater inside of us. Fasting to give up a physical need to fulfill something spiritually that is greater inside of us. And I wanna talk a minute about fasting. Fasting is something that um, as a kid, I never thought I would do. And probably as a young adult, I never thought I would do. As a kid, many of you know that, you know, much like a lot of us, that when you get hungry, if you don't eat, you get grouchy. And for part of my young, you know, teenager life and adult life, if I didn't eat, I was grouchy, right? And one of the things that broke that in my life, and I still will have moments, okay? Once in a while you have those lapse moments where you slip back and you can still get a little grouchy. But one of the things that, that broke that in my life is, is fasting. Fasting and giving up something physical. And, and I'm full for, you know, during, 
you know, they call it Lent. People will give up chocolate and some people will give up coffee and some people will give up pork and some people will give up this and they eat fish and they this, 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 right? And they give up one thing or maybe they give up a couple things. Fasting physical food, that's a lot, right? How many of us can, because we do love, no offense, most of us, maybe just me, love to eat, right? And how many of us rely on food? It gives us strength, it gives us vigor, all those things, right? Fasting does something inside of you. And when you can tell your body, I'm not going to eat for this amount of days, I'm not going to eat, I'm not going to touch this, and I'm doing it for a spiritual reason, it breaks something inside of you. And it creates a self-control that you didn't have before. It creates something stronger inside of you. Fasting, giving up a physical need to fulfill something spiritually greater in your life. Jesus one time on a mountaintop, he's up there and they're having a moment with God and he's got a couple of his disciples with him. And then as they come down from this mountaintop experience and, and Jesus, I mean, he was transformed and the disciples got to see Jesus being transformed and they're having this holy worship moment. And as they get down from the mountaintop, his other disciples who didn't go to the mountaintop, they were trying to cast out a demon. And as they're trying to cast out the demon, this boy is flipping around and he's flipping in the fire and he's flipping here and he's flipping there. And as they say to him, Jesus, we tried. We, we saw what you did and we tried to cast out this demon. He said, this one can only come out with prayer and fasting. There are things in your life that can only be broken with prayer and fasting. There are only some things that can have breakthrough in your life by fasting and giving up physical, strong physical needs. We all have strong physical needs. Food is one of them, right? And so I want to encourage you this morning is Jesus, as he started his public ministry, he started to fast and he fasted 40 days. And I'm not saying fast 40 days and 40 nights, right? I don't want you to hurt yourself. But if there's something that you're believing for this morning, whether it's for you or somebody else, and you have not fully fasted, give fasting a chance. Give fasting a chance because it is good for you. The devil in this story who's playing offense and defense, turn to your neighbor and say, yeah, he played offense and defense. He's called the tempter, he's called the accuser, he's called the deceiver, he's a liar, and he taunts people for a living. This is what he does for a living. This is how he gets paid. The devil, some of us, we sell food for a living, other people sell insurance, some people work on cars, other people run restaurants, right? How many of us, we do so many different things for a living to make money. The devil, where he makes money is he is a tempter, he's an accuser of the brethren and the sister. That's what he does all day long. He's a deceiver, he's a liar, and he taunts people. This is his living. And his offense in playing with Jesus here in this story, the first thing that he does is he brings up food. Brings up food, and then it takes, he takes Jesus to a very high point of the temple, it says, and he says, he tells Jesus to jump off the, the temple. And finally, and in playing offense with Jesus, he tells Jesus, listen, let's just cut to the end here. I just want you to worship me. If you bow down and worship me right now, I will give you all of this. I'm going to give you political power. I'm going to give you dominion, control, political power. And this is the devil basically trying to get Jesus just to forget the reason that God had put him here on earth. And the three things that he tempted him with, food, hunger, jumping off the temple, and worship, he just wanted Jesus to pull aside from what his purpose, his God-given purpose was, and become selfish. Jesus came here to not be a selfish person. He came to this earth to be a selfless person. As Jesus is God, and one of the craziest things about Jesus that, that just blows my mind away, that God would come here 
in the flesh. And as he walks around, he's not expecting people. This is God, right, who created the heavens and the earth. This is God Almighty who, when he walked on the earth, he served people. He got down on his knees. He touched the dirtiest people that nobody wanted to touch. This was God. Because just taking a reflection on our own lives today, how many of us, there's just things we won't get to. I'm too good for that. I'm too clean to touch that. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. But yet God Almighty, when he was here, whether it was in the dirt, whether it was spitting on the ground, putting in people's eyes, whatever he did, man, he got dirty for people. He played in the dirt and got dirt on his hands for people. And every single thing that the devil tried to do is he tried to pull Jesus away in his mind, and especially with the food. He says, listen, let's use your power on something you need. Jesus was hungry, wasn't he? If you fast 40 days, 40 nights, all of us would be hungry. And he's trying to get Jesus to turn away. God gave him power for the people. He didn't give him power for himself. And so he's trying to switch Jesus' mind. And he's trying to transform Jesus' brain. And he's trying to warp his brain. He's trying to blur the lines. He's trying to do everything he can to make his brain a little foggy and say, wait a second. Yeah, maybe I should be served. Yeah, maybe I should do this for myself. We see that in this story, you know, the devil appealing to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The lust of the flesh, the lust of our eyes, and the pride of life. And how many people every single day, there's certain areas that people struggle with. And maybe people don't have any lust of the flesh. Maybe there's nothing in life that entices them. Maybe there's not one thing on this planet, possession, cars, money, maybe nothing entices you at all. Maybe, maybe you're... Your challenge sometimes is your eyeballs and where you look and what you want to look at and what you want to watch, the lust of the eyes. But there are most definitely people today who struggle with pride and the pride of life because this is an area that Satan, one of his biggest, the biggest reason that he fell from heaven to the earth was because he became prideful and he built himself in his brain. I am bigger and better than God himself. And today, no matter what, we know that that the spirit of the Antichrist is already in this earth and he has got one mission, to make you a selfish person. Person, Every single day, that's all that he's doing and he's out after you. Jesus in this story, he quotes the Bible. Man doesn't live on bread alone. He says to the devil, do not, I don't have to test the Lord my God. And lastly, he said to the devil, I need to worship the Lord my God and I'm only going to serve him only. He responded to the devil with the word of God. We must read the word of God or we're not going to know how to quote the word of God. We must open it up and read it or we're not going to be able to quote it to anybody. How do we quote it to the devil if we don't even read it? How do we quote it to our friends if we don't even know what it says? We have to dig into the word of God. We have to read the word of God for ourselves. We must open up the Bible and read it. And we shouldn't look around to judge and say, well, how much do you read the Bible? That's none of your business, right? We don't need to compare our lives to anybody else's. But one thing you do need to do for you is make sure you read it because there's times where God wants you and he needs you to stand and quote the truth, the word of God. Whether you're quoting to the devil, because the devil needs, we need to tell the devil to shut up sometimes. We need to understand that the devil is a great liar and he is so good at taunting us. There are times that we need to look and just tell him to shut up. 
But a lot of times we don't because some of the things he says, it's blurred through the word. It's blurred through our eyes because we don't know the devil is working through us. We must learn to study the Bible. We have to learn to study the Bible. Reading is good. Reading is great, right? We'll give you an apple. Read the Bible a day. Reading is good. But if you do not know how to study the Bible, it's the study of the word that makes the Bible come alive, right? We can read it all day. Just like we come to church and supposedly 75% of the people don't listen. You can read it and not pay one attention, not give one more thought to what you just read. You can read a paragraph. Okay, sounds good. I'm going out of my way. There's many people every single day. They open up the daily Bible. They open up so many little devotions. And how many dedicated older people will read and have 15 minutes devotion every single morning? Be like, as soon as they get outside, as soon as life hits, hell starts to break loose, frustration, anger. It is so easy, even if we just read in the morning, get in a little bit of word, to step out of that moment and get into our flesh, get upset and angry. Studying the Bible, learning the culture and when it was spoken. Studying the Bible to understand the day in which it was spoken. Understanding the language that was used at the time. The language that was in here, the Hebrew, Greek, and Arabic, it's different than our language. It's, it's English, right? We're all English, Spinglish, right? We're all over the board, right? Our translation in our brain sometimes, it doesn't, it doesn't add up. It doesn't equal. And so that's where the studying comes in. It is good to read it, and we have to start with reading. We must start with daily reading the Bible and getting a little bit of word into us. But as we read, then we must push ourselves to study. And you know what's cool about Google? You can just Google it. If you're reading a verse and you want to know the, the deeper meaning, just Google and ask Google, you know, um, what does this word mean in the Greek? What does this word mean in the Hebrew? There are so many technology you know, sources today that can help you study the Bible faster. We have to. This is how Jesus, you know, smacked the devil around is because he quoted scripture properly. If you have a friend who wants to commit suicide, loving them sometimes is not going to just be enough. If you have a friend who is, you know, um, in an adulterous relationship, Sometimes just loving and encouraging them isn't going to help them enough. If you have a friend who is beating their kids, is just loving them and telling them that they're wrong enough. Getting a very good grasp and mind in the Bible and thoughts allows God and the Holy Spirit at the time needed to be able to quote when the scripture needs to be quoted. Read the Bible, study the Bible. This is how Jesus defeated the devil. Habits, do you know that 40% of our daily actions do not come from our choices, but they come from habit? 40% of daily actions come not from our choices, but they come from habits. Do you know in our conscious mind, this is our mind that's awake every single day, 2,000 bits per second travels 125 miles per hour. In our conscious brain, when it's awake, when we're not not enough, when we're coherent, 2,000 bits per second, 125 miles per second. You know our subconscious, non-conscious mind, 400 billion bits per second travels 100,000 miles per second. God has designed us with such precise and precision. He has 
geared these bodies and our brains and our minds and our thoughts, our physical and our spiritual, so many different things perfectly. Just like you look at, you know, some of these, how many of these buildings, you know, that these people spend billions of dollars on, right? Billions of dollars. And we look at stadiums, you know, around the world and they're so fancy and they look so new and beautiful. It's just like buying a new car and it's so wonderful and new. Built with such precision and care. You far more more intelligent than, than any stadium, any contractor who put that together. What you have in yourself and in your brain and in your physical and spiritual life, God has put you together so perfectly. First John 2.18 says, Dear children, the last hour is here, and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and he's already, and many such Antichrists have appeared, and we know that this last hour has become. Second Corinthians 5.17 says this, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life begun. So God put this story on my heart, and then I'm going to wrap, and I'll show you these two verses and how the football fields and how the soccer fields and how all these things fit together. Last uh, week, we're at one of our kids' basketball games, and, you know, some of these kids, you watch basketball, and sometimes kids sometimes think they're playing football because they get football confused with basketball, and so as they're, they're trying to play defense, they're running into kids, and they're knocking them over, right? And I don't know if you've ever, you know, had one of your kids in sports and you're watching them, but if you ever get them, if you ever see one of your kids knocked over, it's not a pleasant feeling, right? And how many of us parents, if we see our kid knocked over, we're ready to go knock somebody out? right? You hurt my kid, I want to hurt you, right? But here's the thing. God spoke to me and he said, you know what? We get so easily frustrated with everyday life situations and we're not getting frustrated with the devil who's pushing us around every single day. You see, God has given us life like a field. God dwells. Does God dwell in our time, space, and capacity? Absolutely not. Now, he visits and his presence meets us in a special way. But God is outside of time, right? Right? God is outside of time. God who created the heavens and the earth, he does not have to dwell within our time. He is outside of that. But he did not create us that same way. God created us to be defined within the space that he has given every single one of us to live. Kind of like living with our own little football field. God has given you specifically a very specific field for you to live and to play on. 2 Corinthians 5.17, that says that God has made us. We are a brand new creation. The minute you ask Jesus into your heart, you become a new creation. Now, that's good and bad for some people because some people, they like their old creation. They don't want to become new. But the Bible says that when you become a new person, when you ask God into your life and you surrender and everything, you become new. You get a, kind of like this one, like SoFi Stadium, a brand spanking new stadium. Brand new, polished, stainless steel, the works. You get all those things. You become a brand new person. But when you become a Christian, you become brand new. Do you think that means the devil just leaves you alone? Do you think that, that maybe after being a Christian for 35 years, the devil leaves you alone? If God gave you your own space the minute you became a new creation, what is he trying to do? He's trying to push you out of bounds. He's trying to knock you over. He's trying to blur the lines so you can't see where you're running. 
He's trying to blur the lines so you don't know what direction to go. You don't know which way you're supposed to go. The devil, every single day, working extremely hard. We know again that he is a tempter, deceiver, liar. He taunts for a living. This is what he does. But he also, you know what he does? He plays very aggressive offense and defense every single day on you, on me. And the question is, is if, if our life is a field and then we got a brand new stadium, if you have a, your own specific space that God has created you within, do you flourish within the space that he's given to you or have you allowed the devil to push you out of bounds? Through every day, through every hard change and situation, you know, we either learn to thrive on the field that God has given to us, or sometimes we allow change to push us out of our own field. You know, you can say through COVID, many Christians, it's shaken the Christian church upside down, that COVID has absolutely changed church. And maybe it's not all for bad, right? But it has absolutely changed the way that we had church and had church in years past. It has extremely changed people. And what happens through change, what happens through depression, what happens through loneliness, what happens through insecurity, what happens through all the different mental, physical, spiritual things that we deal with on a daily basis. You know what we do? Sometimes without realizing it is we like to jump the lines because we don't know what field we're on anymore. So many times we wanna cross over to a different court. Yeah, there's six right here. I just go play on this one today because it feels good. I'm gonna go play on this court because it feels right today. So many of us abandon the God-given purpose and destiny and we're just gonna change lanes, we're gonna change courts, and we don't realize it's because the devil's pushing us out. You know what we do without realizing it too is um, when, when we get pushed out, I have something I wanna read you this morning. It's mass formation psychosis. I don't know if you've heard of this this morning, but psychosis is when people lose some contact with reality when the devil blurs your vision. Mass formation psychosis is when a large part of society focuses its attention to a leader or a series of events and attention that focuses on one small point of issue, kind of like COVID. Followers can be hypnotized and led anywhere, regardless of data proving otherwise. And a key aspect of, to this is that people who they identify as their leaders, that the, this is the person who can solve this problem, this issue, they will follow that leader regardless of any new information or data. Furthermore, anyone who questions the leader's narrative is attacked and disregarded. The devil this morning, he wants, this is the state that he wants you to live in. He wants you to live under mass formation psychosis because no matter how much truth you hear, you ignore it. When you leave one court, and you go to another one, you don't wanna go back to the old court. You don't wanna go back to this way. You don't wanna go back to the old way of church. You don't wanna go back to the old way over here. You don't wanna go back over here. God's purpose and plan for you was this. God's purpose and plan, he had your field. He had your way, he had your life. It says that your calendar of your life all planned out. God planned your calendar, got put together every single day. But as the devil blurred some of our vision, we decided I'm changing fields and I'm changing teams. I'm changing fields and I'm changing teams. But when you change your team, what happens is you don't wanna listen to the truth that's gonna lead you back to where you belong because you're under hypnosis, psychosis. I got one last verse and then we're gonna start to wrap up. Deuteronomy 28, 
verse 1. Here's the good stuff. And turn to your neighbor and say, this is the good stuff. This is the good stuff. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies and then when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they're going to scatter from you in seven. Verse 8, the Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he's given you if you obey. Turn to your and say, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as holy people as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are people claimed by the Lord. They will stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens, and he will bless all the work you do. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens. That sounds nice, doesn't it? And will bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow them. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. You will always be on top, never at the bottom. You must turn, not turn away from any of the commands I'm giving you today, nor follow after other gods and worship them. And so this morning, as we wrap up this morning, I wanted to read that verse, because really at the end of the day, that's where God wants you to be in his blessing. At the end of the day, on the field that God wants you to be on is the field of blessing. And that doesn't mean that we walk around and we puff out our chest and say, I'm in the blessing of God and you're not, right? God created your space. He wants to be fully blessed. Jesus said, I came here. I came here to fully satisfy who? Not himself, you. He came here to give you fully satisfied. Not finding fullest, we don't get fully satisfied by what we see in this world. There is absolutely nothing. There are things that we do and donuts that we eat and coffees that we drink and stuff that we enjoy on a daily basis that gives us a little bit of satisfaction, right? But nothing, nothing today fully satisfies you, fully blesses you the way that Jesus Christ does. And so the question is, as you stand with me, we get ready to wrap up this morning, so go ahead and stand. If you can close your eyes. Really at the end of the day, the question is, is Satan blurring any of the lines on my football field this morning? Is there anything that Satan has done that has blurred my vision? If he's a liar, if he's the accuser of the brothers and the sisters, if he's a tempter, if he's the deceiver, if he lives by taunts, if he likes to play aggressive defense and offense, is there anything this morning is Satan, has he done to blur my vision? Is there anything he's done that pushes, has pushed me out of the football field that I belong on to push me somewhere else? The first step in change is being aware. And with your eyes closed and heads bowed,